0: all one word, and you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. Isn't it time to tell your story? I'm Bill Mitchell, and this is When Dating Hurts. A podcast dedicated to my daughter, Kristen, and all women taken from us before their time by the epidemic known as dating violence. I will speak with authorities in domestic violence, law enforcement professionals, families of victims and survivors, and survivors themselves. Today we'll be speaking with Megan, who is a survivor Her story is breathtaking, to say the least. This will be part one of two parts. Her story is lengthy, but it is worth listening to. You will learn quite a lot about how things can start out really wonderfully and how they can deteriorate and become dangerous. Here's my conversation with Megan. So, Megan, it would be helpful to us, I think, if you were to kind of paint the picture of what life was like before you ran into Max, who you will tell us about quite a lot. Why don't I just go ahead and hand off to you and just tell us what life was like with your family and school and things that interested you?
1: Sure. First, I want to say thank you. I really appreciate what you do with this bill. Um, That's so meaningful to everyone who's ever survived abuse. So just thanks.
0: I appreciate that. That means a lot to me.
1: To give some context, I grew up in Canada. I'm a middle child. I have a brother and a sister. And we just, we had a really great life growing up. You know, I have wonderful parents. I really, really appreciate my parents. They're the best. And I appreciate my family. My parents really encouraged us to travel. That was important to them. They took us traveling a lot. So... And when I was 19, they suggested, maybe I go away for a year overseas and study. You're 19. You're not going to turn that down? (laughs) My parents are so great. I said yes, and I went away first for what I thought was going to be a year. It turned out to be a decade.
0: So when you say overseas, coming from Canada, when I hear overseas, I immediately think of Europe. But you're you grew up in Canada, so overseas for you means which where are we going?
1: I went first to Australia,
0: Australia oh, well, you went pretty far, didn't you?
1: about as far as I could go and still speak English. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I did that, and I lived in Australia for a few years, and then I moved to New Zealand,
0: which is close at least then, yeah, okay.
1: When I was in New Zealand, this is actually where my story starts. I settled down a wee bit. I was going to university as a mature student.
0: Then when you say mature student, what does that mean? Mature student. I was
1: 20 So when I met Max, I was 26.
0: Okay, so you had finished what so what we would call in the US college. Mature is that a way of saying postgraduate after 4 years?
1: Yeah, to give you some clarification there. It was my undergraduate. I just I started when I was 24 in my last year of my undergraduate program I was 26. So I was older when okay. I went to university. So in many ways that was really great for me. I just that was my last year of university. I was so busy. I took a, I had a couple of part-time jobs finishing up school. I was writing for the student newspaper. I mm. volunteered as a student mentor. I just I don't know how I fit that all in, but I really loved Life then. I was having so much fun.
0: Not a lot of space open in your clock, I would think, in your day.
1: Yeah, just. Uh,
0: why do you think you loaded your clock up so tightly? It's your calendar. I mean, you just wanted guess, to do so much. You think you just wanted to go, go, go.
1: I really was trying to capture life to the max at that point. You know, I'd been living okay. overseas for so long, and and I really thought, why not do it all? Like, why not do everything you want? was what I was thinking it was my last year in university like just just go for it just try and do everything sure what's the worst that can happen right? right nothing nothing until you meet the wrong guy but really nothing else right so it was actually it was volunteering as a student mentor that was where I met this guy I uh you know I'm a student mentor what that means is I give new students' campus tours, and I answer all their questions and that sort of thing on orientation day. Uh And I met Max on orientation day. It was his orientation. He was a first-year student. He was just starting his course. And he came to orientation, and, and he ended up coming up to me, and he was asking questions. We headed off right away. We were talking so much that we ended up meeting later for a drink. It just, it turned out he was studying the same thing as me. He had a lot of questions about it. He was also the same age as me. So yes. you're in a sea of 19 year olds, you know, you're going to bond pretty quickly with someone who's your age.
0: Yeah. It's a big difference when you're, when you're that age between 26 or so and 19. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a big difference. We just found a lot in common right off the bat and Oh, he was charming, aren't they all? They seem to have a way with words, these guys. And I just, I'm going to say guys here. I recognize this happens to so many different people, but my experience with, was with a guy. So I'll say guy.
0: Was he Australian?
1: He was New Zealander. He was a Kiwi. Okay. Yeah. That was where we met. We didn't start dating right away, but I was interested. And so was he. He would text me every week or so and ask if I wanted to go dancing. You know, you're 26 and and you're in mm-hmm. school. Who doesn't want to go out dancing on the weekend? And this sounds really fun to me, right? Mm-hmm, sure. Oh, is he ever flirty? He's charming and
0: so he's flirty all over the place. Not just not just charming with you, but charming in general. Well, flirting I've, with everybody. I think at
1: that time, he was very personable with other people, but okay it was he was definitely focusing his attention on me, okay. this goes on for a while. I'm thinking this guy's great. this just fits in so well with what I want right now and of course it must have been a couple of months after this had all happened and i'd I'd recently moved downtown. I was living pretty far away. It was getting hard for me to commute back and forth into the city. I was living on an island off the coast, so I moved right downtown. I was right down the street from the university, so it was really easy for me to get around. It was this teeny, Uh, tiny studio apartment. A lot of people would consider it to be like a small hotel room. I thought it was great. It was all I needed. I was so close to everything. You know, It was never going to be permanent. I was just so happy living there. Right,
0: yeah, really fit the moment, sure.
1: Yeah. So I move in there, and it was really quickly after I moved in there that I got a a call from Max one day, and he asked if he could come and stay with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, why not? This sounds like it could be fun. He comes, he brings his stuff over, and I'm like, what's going on? Just do, how long do you need to stay here? He's like, oh, probably a couple of weeks. I got kicked out of my accommodation. Okay. Why? What happened? And Right.
0: A good question.
1: He's like, Well, I got into a fight with someone else living there. He was living in student accommodation. He's like, and you can't fight in student accommodation, so we both got kicked out.
0: Uh, now he needs a place to stay.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I question I question how much of that is true. Wow,
0: well, that's interesting too. Yes. <laughs> Just, that was convenient. Yes, I see.
1: Yeah anyways um
0: (laughs) how about your place
1: yeah how about my place my teeny tiny little place i thought this was just i look at it differently now of course but at the time i was all over this i thought this was gonna be a lot of fun sure it was short term you know we like each other let's do right yeah let's do it so just it's a couple of weeks turns into four weeks turns into five weeks. Just in this time, he told me he loved me. This is pretty quick. Mm. All of this is actually happening in a bit of a hurry. You know, that's a that's a pretty big red flag right it there. It is, yes, it is. Yes, it yeah. is. Lots and lots of stories. These things move along in a hurry.
0: Yes, that's all part of it. Getting you into the spider web.
1: Yeah, it's so hard to see that at the time. Here's this great guy. Sure. He's saying the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. He's cooking for me. This is just probably his version of love bombing, you know? Yes.
0: Love bombing, yes. It's
1: not really flowers and gifts, but or it wasn't for me, but it just it strikes me that these guys are really good at reading people. So he probably was just picking up on what I really liked and doing more of that.
0: Yes. That's also called mirroring. I just heard that one recently. paying attention to what you like and how you act and all those things you you know you like this kind of music oh so does he whatever that is he's matching you step for step yes
1: yeah this is what makes it so hard is that before it gets bad it's good and it's really good
0: sometimes the best someone's ever had it's like this can't get much better right
1: yeah and you know you're excited your friends are excited for you you know your family is excited for you. you want to tell people about this guy you're yeah, you're feeling pretty lucky.
0: want to show him off?
1: yeah, it's difficult to see that as a warning sign, but it it doesn't mean it will be something bad, but it can be something bad and wow, I didn't know that at the time, but here I am. I think I've lucked out just all of a sudden this guy is living with me and he's my boyfriend and he loves me and, and we're in it and this is rolling along. Uh-huh. You know, really for a while, this seemed to be working fairly well with a couple of exceptions. One was he was pretty moody from time to time. When he would have kind of a bad day, you would sort of know it. He just was overly grumpy. Just reminded me a lot of kind of a a toddler who would be grumpy you know that they can't hide it pouting yeah pouting would be a good way to put it he was like this from time to time he also just this was one thing about him that was starting to come between us he he fancied himself as a bit of a professional poker player Uh. and uh, this eventually manifested in a gambling addiction but early on he just really liked poker. He thought he was great at poker. He thought he could beat the game of poker. He spent a lot of time playing poker.
0: With the other students, or where did he go to do this?
1: To casinos or or organize wow. major poker tournaments.
0: Did he borrow money from anybody on this? in this interview? Did he borrow money from you?
1: No, he never borrowed money from me to do this. Okay. But I think in the end, he might have things from me to do that. Ah. Yeah.
0: Things were missing. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of things? What was missing?
1: Oh, the biggest thing that went missing, well, there were two. One was my scooter. I had a little scooter for oh, the time I used to drive
0: around. This is a big deal.
1: Yeah. I was really crushed when when that went away. So that disappeared. And then the yeah, other was a ring. Uh And both of those things, he was pretty adamant that there were other reasons why they went missing. It took me a long time after I'd left him to maybe understand that he was why they went missing.
0: What did he tell you?
1: Oh, for the scooter, he said that he noticed that someone was damaging the lock that I used to lock up my scooter. He's like, oh, someone was damaging the lock. I just saw all these scratch marks on it. Like someone was trying to get into it. That was a couple of days before. And then it went missing and he he went out and he came back right away. And he's like, I just was out and I noticed your scooter's gone. Must have been stolen, etc. Oh
0: wow. Yeah. But how about the ring?
1: The ring he thought was lost in the back of a car that we owned and we undertook a very big search for it. And he thought it might've rattled out when we were driving and just shaken out onto the road.
0: Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. That, that is, uh, that's a stretch. So he's gambling. He's got that going on.
1: Yeah. He's gambling. This is just before he ever just may or may not have stolen things from me. Things are pretty good, but he was doing something weird that was bugging me. We would, You know, we'd have a good night. We'd fall asleep. And then after I had fallen asleep, he would get up and he would leave. And, you know, that is strange. Yeah. It's a small place. Your bed is right next to your door. I would wake up because the door would open and close.
0: Oh, man. That's strange. Yes.
1: Yeah. The first time he did it, I just was startled awake like, what is this guy doing? I'm texting him, no response. Uh, And I don't see him until the next morning. And he told me at the time that he often had a hard time sleeping. So when he couldn't sleep, he didn't want to keep me awake by just being awake in our little place. So he would leave and he'd go play poker. uh, Yeah. I just, I didn't love this. I thought it was reckless. You know, he was student how are you going to get up and go study? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, you might be a little bit worn out for the next day. Sure.
1: It was waking me up. Like, I don't know why it bugged me so much, but it bugged me.
0: I think it should. Yeah. Is this still during the um, first five weeks that he's there, or are we now into months?
1: This this happened pretty quickly, probably within the first little bit. Okay. It didn't happen all the time, but it happened enough that I was starting to... have conversations about it you know talk talk to me about this just why can't you sleep and what can we do to help you like how are you even going to be able to get to class the next morning he was really always pretty quick to turn that stuff around on me really really quick a lot of conversations just they became a little bit worse over time but Mm -hmm. you know obviously you don't trust me how could you you know, tell me what to do. You're trying to control me. These are the sorts of things he would say to me. Just sometimes I would go as far as, you know, uh, maybe we're not right for each other. If you can't trust me, this is how I make money. This is my job. I got to go out and do this. Mm. A bit of an exaggeration. but Sure. Deflecting. the Yeah, the turning analysis. it
0: around is uh, part of it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. The other thing he started to do in that, maybe that first year we were together, is he would kind of come up with ways to get mad at me. We'd just, we'd be sitting and I'd be, you know, making coffee and he'd be sitting in a chair and he'd just be in a grumpy mood. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he'd just be like, do you know how it makes me feel when you look at me like that? I wouldn't have been looking at him in any particular way. He would just have dreamed this up out of the ether but yeah yeah you know it would turn into a long long tedious conversation that i didn't want to have about my own behavior just that sort of stuff really shakes you up over time it it erodes your sense of self but at the very beginning it's a little bit confusing you don't know where it's coming from and you think you might be right
0: it's just so amazing that you know, if this happened to me when I was your age, I'd be in the same place. You're you know, you're trying to accommodate, you're trying to make it work. You wonder if the other person's correct. You know, you're all over the place. And unless somebody knows what's going on and, and says, let me, let me interpret what you're experiencing, then you just keep going on trying to make it work. And well, maybe I do look at him in an odd way or whatever those things are. You know, now the clarity of time and and you know what he was really all about. Now you look at it like it was all on him, you know, every every last part of this. And part of it is, yes, to deflect it over to you. He, I was surprised he didn't say, well, the reason I can't sleep is because of you. That's why I have to get up.
1: Yeah, just we, it would get there. But he was pretty subtle at the start. And this is all, it's incremental, right? This, this yes, really does. Slow but sure. Time.
0: Yeah, the escalation is slow but sure. And frequency is slow but sure.
1: Yeah. Honestly, this is just to me when I look back at this, knowing what's to come, this seems very strategic to me. It seems tactical. Like he's establishing the groundwork for what he's going to do next. Yes. This is why it's so troubling to me when I hear media describe crimes around this as crimes of passion.
0: Oh, yes.
1: To me, this is. All somewhat pre-planned, you know. They these people, they know how to capture you and they know how to groom you. And none of this is coming out of nowhere because they were having a bad day. Yes. They do a lot of work towards this, right?
0: And by twenty-sixth, they've practiced this act for a good long time. Good long time. And, you know, you're not the first. That's no. why the act continued on and it happened the way it happened and You know, one thing I maybe interject is that I asked a question some years ago. I I thought, okay, let me just see what it's like to be on the abuser's side for just a moment. Wondering, in my mind, do these people even know what they're doing? Or is it just, I'm just doing what feels like what I need to do. You know, I'm just being myself. I don't know why everybody thinks this is this pre-planned thing. Well, as it turns out, it's not innocent. And it, like you said, it is fairly planned out you know, maybe not minute to minute, but they're slowly bringing you into the quicksand and you're just coming along. You're trying to be nice. You're trying to make things work. And in the meantime, you're enabling exactly what you wouldn't want to happen. So what can you tell us next?
1: Well, just in that first year that I was with him, only one thing happened that I guess you could consider crossing a line, but we were driving one day. It was my car. That, That was after the scooter was stolen. That was my car. Right? At least
0: the car didn't get stolen, did it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, the car didn't get stolen. I oh, just had okay. this, bought this little beater car, and we were driving <laughs> one day.
0: <laughs> A beater, I, was- I love that. A
1: beater car. Sorry, <laughs> I don't hear so that very often. That's fine. Language, but no, 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 it's fine. Just an, an old lemon. He was in the passenger seat, I was driving, and he was just in one of his moods, he's trying to pick a fight with me about something. I don't know what. I can't remember. But out of nowhere, his arm sort of flies up, and the passenger side window breaks.
0: Oh, gee.
1: Yeah. And he was fairly immediately apologetic about it. I'm pretty shaken. I pull over. I'm, what is happening? <sighs> How did that happen? And he, uh, he was a funny guy. He always wore suits. He just, this was really unusual and quite characteristic of narcissism but he always needed to look his best he was always wearing a suit and he had these very particular cufflinks. and when that window broke he told me he just he didn't mean to but his cufflink hit it the wrong way and it shattered and yeah yeah I have more life experience now so I can recognize that that's unlikely I just, I've seen car windows survive car accidents. So I don't know what sort of force he was hitting that window with, but it must've been quite a
0: bit. He clobbered it. Sure.
1: Yeah. But so immediately apologetic, you know, this is just those sorts of things. They frighten you, but they're explainable.
0: Yeah. But I mean, when it, when that window broke, did it blew into pieces, blew into a million pieces or what, what did the window do?
1: Yeah, it just it it shattered. It blew up like a
0: bullet hit it, right? It
1: was just little pieces of glass that
0: right, right floated outward. Yeah, they're all right. like tiny. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, because car windows are designed to break that way, so they
0: yes, exactly. But in that case, better the window than you, your face.
1: So that was that was really it for the first year. I mean, it it's did he, 90... by the way,
0: volunteer to fix your window?
1: Oh no. He actually said he would pay for it, but he never did. It Ah. was always kind of, oh, I'll get you, I'll I'll get that sorted or I'll pay you back for that soon.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that first year, 90% of it was, was probably good or what I perceived to be good. 10% of it was, was this sort of moody, moody max. So I started to think maybe this was, Causing us some trouble, this little tiny studio apartment. Maybe this was the source of some tension.
0: Right. And it's too close.
1: It's right at the end of the year. My lease is up. And this is just where the first time that something really happened happened. So at that time of year, I was graduating. This was my graduation. My parents were in town, they'd flown in from Canada and they were going to. It was December, so that's summertime in New Zealand, and my parents were gonna fly in. They were gonna stay for a few weeks and celebrate warm Christmas. It was gonna be this fun thing we all did together. I'm pretty excited, we're gonna graduate. Moving, I suggested we get a bigger place, something that had walls around the bed, a bedroom would have been good. Maybe a little bit of space would, would help. So it's two days before I graduate, we move into this place, it's a little bit you know, more expensive than I wanted to. We definitely both needed to have a job to be there. I felt okay about that, he could work part-time. I'd work full-time when I graduated. So we move into this place. The second day that we're living there, so the day before my graduation, there's a flood. Someone had- A flood? Yeah. Someone had accidentally knocked the fire sprinkler in the hallway when they were moving in, and it flooded the whole floor. It wasn't just terrible for us, because thankfully we'd just moved in, so everything was still in boxes. We were home, we could put everything up on the countertops, and just the carpet, but we had these big, big fans blowing. And all day long they were blowing, and it just, it's noisy. So we go out that day, we go out with my friends to see this Christmas thing at a department store. And I think that this is pretty cool, excited to graduate the next day with my friends. And and we're doing this holiday thing and he's not having a good time. Uh, He is uh. just, he's being very antisocial. He was actually being in certain cases mean, Okay. unnecessarily mean to me or my friends. Yes. I was embarrassed by this behavior so I I suggested we leave. We left and we went back home and this strange long fight ensued and I was mad at him for being just sort of terrible around my friends and he was mad at me for something I can't remember what some nonsense but this long fight goes on well well into the night and it doesn't get physical at that point but it is the day before I graduate and I got mm. hardly any sleep i wake up that next day and i'm i'm just a wreck we've had this big fight this was such an important time for me you know my parents mm-hmm. were there and they hadn't come to visit me overseas before and and all of this was a really big deal to me and now i've got this fight hanging over my head and i hadn't slept you know, I'm sort of enveloped in this drama. You see Ugh. it all throughout my graduation photos, how tired I look. You can see oh, it. Oh, gee. I'm so and sorry. And I think about that. I think about that every time. So I, I graduated, and we did what you do when you graduate. My parents took all the photos, and we went out for dinner with Max and one of my great friends, and we get back to the, to the apartment that night, and I want to talk about the night before. Let's just solve this. This isn't okay. This has been a bad fight. Let's just, let's work this one out. He's having none of it. And he gets up to go. And I actually stand in front of the door. Like, just, can you hang tight? Please don't go just yet. Let's talk about this. And in response to that, he pulled me away from the door. And then he pushed me aside. And then he left. And the problem with that was we had this table next to the door and on top of it was a box. We'd put boxes on top of it from the flood. There was a box of books. There was a box that had all of our picture frames in it. And when I fell, or sorry, I didn't fall. When he pushed me, he pushed me into that table. I landed Mm -hmm. on the table. The table broke and I fell on top of the boxes and the table and all the picture frames broke and i was just in that mess so at the time i recognized that immediately as violence i just you know my my mom in particular raised me to be on the lookout for guys who would be physical towards you she just she always told me just call the cops this is what runs through yeah. my mind in that moment. I get up, I get my phone, I go and I hide in the bathroom, I lock the door. And I call nine one
0: Where is he, by the way? Has he left at this point?
1: Yeah, he left. He left right after he pushed me.
0: After the the big smash, okay.
1: So I I call nine one one. This this is two thousand and eight at that point, I think. You know police response around. Violence is starting to change, but it wasn't great at that point in that country. Typically, for a call like that, they would come within the hour, but it wasn't going to be fast. So they did come. It took them almost an hour to come that whole time. And then when the cops did come, this just... I wish this wasn't true, but they knock on the door and I open it. What I see is a cop, and then what I see... Is a guy holding a video camera next to the cop who's filming me. Oh. Yeah. They were filming for a show called Police 107. It's like the Amer- it's like a New Zealand version of cops.
0: Oh, what a shock. So my oh. instinct
1: to that was to close the door. I just suddenly this whole night becomes about this TV show. This isn't what I want. This is really distressing to me. I'm shouting through the door that they don't have permission to use that video. They don't have my permission to use my voice, my face, anything.
0: Yes. Right.
1: I'm not going to let them in unless the video guy goes away.
0: Right. Sure. Good for you.
1: The cop is shouting back a little bit, like trying to explain what the guy is there for. And I, I just, this is, this is not good. I'm still a little bit in shock. I don't want, this to become a television show Uh, yeah but this is a horrible thing to actually have show up and be in your face i'd never thought about that until that moment but
0: bad enough what you thought was going on let alone now you're everybody gets to see this
1: so the camera guy leaves the cop comes in and takes my statement takes some photos of me just i had a pretty nasty bruise on my arm and i just hadn't realized but i just was bleeding because I'd landed on the picture frames, but I was just, I was in shock. So I didn't see it or feel it.
0: So it was in your back?
1: Yeah, just, just a little bit on my back and a little bit on one of my legs. Ugh. Nothing, to, nothing just terrible, but just, you know,
0: About enough to nothing great. <laughs> something to go through your clothes and get you, you know.
1: Anyways, the, that all happens. The cop leaves. And right away, almost right away, I get a call back from the cop. and He's like, okay, we got him. Apparently, as the cop and the cameraman were on the way out of the building, Max was coming back in. So they got him on the way back in, and they arrested him.
0: Arrested him.
1: This is my graduation day.
0: You're getting a lot out of this day. Oh. Yeah. A lot of memories. Tough, tough memories.
1: Yeah, a lot of memories.
0: Aren't your parents somewhere around during all this too?
1: Yeah, they weren't. They weren't staying with us, but they were staying very close and just... Right. I mean, you're going to have to
0: face them at some point, too. Okay.
1: Yeah. The aftermath of that was not easy for two reasons. One, I had to tell people. My parents were there. I had to tell them. That was a really difficult conversation, and I never want to have a conversation like that again with them. Mm. Just I, I told my friends. This was a little tricky for me because I was actually kicking up a little bit of a fuss about it. I was actively telling people about this, and I heard one of my friends talking to one of my other friends, and they thought I was out of earshot, and they just, she actually asked my other friend if they thought I was making too big a deal out of this.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And I, I'm feeling like, ooh, I hadn't thought about that before, but maybe I am. Maybe I'm pushing this too far.
0: That fits the narrative. Yeah. That Max would want you to think like that. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. The other part of this is the New Zealand legal system. And I was completely unprepared for this. I, thankfully, have not had a life where I needed to engage with the legal system for any reason. And this is good and bad because I was completely naive going into it. Basically, everything I knew about the law I'd learned on television, which is (laughs) wrong, (laughs) which is... Just not correct. And one of the things that I was starting to fret about was, have I just made a huge mistake here? This was a bad night. This could have just been a breakup, though. Did I have to call the cops? I'm uh-huh. I'm questioning, uh-huh. am I going to ruin this guy's life? Is he ever going to be able to work? Did I just take something bad and make it a lot worse?
0: Sure, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah.
1: I naively call the police and ask if there's a way that I can not press charges. Okay. Just not knowing, of course, that I don't press charges. There's no such thing as that in New Zealand. The cops press charges. So once you call the cops, the only thing I was, was evidence. I was nothing else.
0: It's not you and Max, it's New Zealand and Max or police and Max.
1: Yeah. So, no, I I can't.
0: You can't pull it back
1: not press charges right the only thing i could do is rescind my statement but they they quite frankly let me know that if i do that i could be charged with providing a false statement so
0: that's trouble
1: that's not what i want to do so i okay now i'm in this i'm trapped in it i have no control over this it's going to go forward if i want it to or not and it does it goes forward he goes to court He gets sentenced to 200 hours. Now,
0: he's out of the apartment. If I could jump in, he's out of the apartment at this point. I mean, he's not living with you. Where is he? Is he in a jail cell? Where is he? He's been arrested.
1: That was a Friday. He went to jail. He spent the weekend in jail, and he had his hearing on the Monday or the Tuesday. It was right away. That'll happen rather quickly. You get put in front of the judge, or he did. I didn't have to be there. And he was sentenced to 200 hours community service and that was that
0: no police record or or does that go on his record to me was arrested
1: it goes on his record
0: okay okay see that's not going to go not going to go away okay
1: no the judge also tells him not to contact me but this was only communicated to me through the victim advocate that the court provides it wasn't an official no contact order i didn't have a protection order there was i i received nothing that you would receive on a piece of paper okay this was just some sort of verbal warning from a judge to max Uh and max disappears i don't hear from him the last time i heard from him was the minute he pushed me away from the door i haven't heard from him and my life has just suddenly really dramatically changed you know now i'm single My parents are flying back to Canada pretty shortly. I have graduated. I don't have a job yet. I'm living in a place that I can't afford.
0: Oh, my.
1: And this is a fairly momentous time in my life, and it's a bit of a mess, you know?
0: Sure, it is. Yes, it is.
1: This went on like that for the whole summer. I sat and I was tormented by this decision that I'd made. I really turned that back on myself. I really, I thought maybe I'd push that too far, and I regretted it. And the summer goes by, and I texted him. And, you know, this is tricky for me, because I think so many of us carry some blame on ourselves. I know I did, at least. But one of the reasons why I really appreciate hearing the stories of others is because Take some of that burden off of me. I hear so many similar stories. If I'm thinking about the person I was at that time, I really did believe maybe I had done something wrong. I'd made this into such a crazy situation. It could have been fine. And because of that, I was willing to, you know, give this guy a second chance.
0: Which would make you potentially feel better about yourself. Yeah. I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean, just, they would maybe get this off your back that maybe you went too far. Yeah. That's the way I read that.
1: Relief. Maybe. Yes. Have something in my life be sorted for a minute.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you text him and what does he do?
1: So it turned out he'd moved away in the time since I'd last spoken with him. He'd moved to another city. He was living with his aunt and his cousins. He, been going to church every day. This one surprised me because in the time that I knew him, he wasn't at all religious. So I was, I was supportive of this, but I was just surprised by it. He told me he'd been taking an anger management class with this church. He wasn't ordered to do that. He just personally thought he needed to. I'm thinking, okay, these are all good signs. He comes back to the city to start his second year of university, and we move back in together. We find a different place. I had already gotten out of the lease on the previous place that I couldn't afford, so we found a different place, and we moved in. Right from the get-go bill, this was the wrong move. Uh. Right from the very get-go, I'd rented a, a small van so we could move our stuff. I pick up the van, and I go to collect my things, and then we go to collect his things. And then he comes out, he takes one look, and he's like, oh, I I can't help today. I've got a poker tournament. And he just walks away.
0: That's not helpful.
1: No, that's the very opposite of helpful. Yes. I moved all of his stuff. Out, I moved all of our stuff in, and I thought, uh oh, I can't go backwards now. I can't even talk to my friends and family about this because I kicked up such a big fuss last time. And then I told everyone we were getting back together that he was doing really well. All of a sudden, I'm isolated. I can't tell anyone about this.
0: Yeah, you're stuck. Yeah big time stuck.
1: Yeah, that's the start of year 2. I get a job. I get a job that I'm really excited about. I end up going on to manage that mentor program at the university that I was volunteering for. That's awesome. I love this job. I, you know, we're off to a rocky start on the relationship front. But my life is a little more sorted. Max is okay, but he's not as good as he was last year. Things are a little bit worse. He's a little bit harder to get along with.
0: So the good days are fewer and far between and maybe not as good.
1: Yeah. He was pretty upset about the community service. This was hanging in between us and he didn't like to do that. It put him in a mood and it took him a while to get it done. It was several months. I think Mm -hmm. we were six or seven months in when he finished it off right towards the very end. He was pretty, uh, he blamed me. For the community service, this became something that he could fight with me about. This was mm-hmm. my fault.
0: By the way, what did they have him doing?
1: He was mostly doing roadside cleanup, and then I think it was oh. covering up graffiti.
0: Oh, okay. That's pretty base work. Yes.
1: It's not the end of the world. Like, but that's... For a guy
0: that likes to wear cufflinks and suits, it's a far cry yeah. from... Not
1: what he wants to do.
0: No. Yeah,
1: you know, within this year, because I was I was pretty embarrassed about this. I didn't really want to show the bad sides of what was happening. I wasn't going to tell anybody about this. This was a secret that things were were not great. Sure. I thought maybe you know the community service will finish and we'll we'll get back to a good spot, and. You know, it takes a long time for him to get it done. Things are starting to go downhill. His mood swings get a bit moodier. They're swinging back and forth more. It really does, it it starts to shift your perspective a little bit when you're living with someone whose moods change so dramatically. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to know kind of what you're walking into every single day.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, sure.
1: And you're always... Feeling a little bit like you need to manage that. Uh. That's just not healthy, but it's how you feel when you're in it. This is the year where violence becomes a little more apparent. It starts with him breaking things. He would just slam a patio door too hard and the window would shatter. Or he'd throw something and put a hole in the wall. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Just, he's not hurting me, but... It's violence around me, and this with his moods is starting to scare me. I'm starting to spend a little bit more time in the bathroom with the locked door. Just once in a while, I would leave. I would leave the house to get away from one of these incidents where he's... Mm
0: -hmm. Hopefully to come back when things have calmed down, yes.
1: Yeah, this would be in the middle of the night, and you know, I look back on this now, and I think that it's clearly not safe to be walking around any city downtown in the middle of the night right? when you're 27 and a woman, but at the time you live in the reality that you're in and sometimes being at home is more dangerous.
0: Yes, I can see how that would be, of course.
1: Anyways, so this all goes on for a while. Now, because of this, I'm starting to suffer a little bit in my performance at work. I'm going in pretty early some days just to have a place to go. And I would often be at my desk at 5 or 5.30 in the morning just trying to catch an hour's sleep before everyone else came in. And people were starting to notice. I'm really still quite ashamed by this because I consider myself to be a high performer at work. Just at that point, I was not. And things are. the tension has been building for quite a while. I lived next door to someone that I worked with. He actually had an office down the hall for me and he lived right next door to me. We were on the 14th floor of this apartment building and his balcony sort of faced my balcony. They were at an inverted right angle. So when mm-hmm. I was sitting on my couch, I could see his couch and he could see mine. It just, it was a weird way to set up an apartment building, but there you go. We always had our curtains closed because of this. I couldn't believe that he didn't know what was going on at that time uh, with me. Uh, uh-huh. He couldn't hear it or he didn't see it. But I also didn't want him to do anything about it. I didn't want him to talk to me about it. I wasn't ready to have a conversation about it. I really didn't want him to call the cops. If I could manage it myself, it was within my control. If someone else tried to help, it was outside of my control. I didn't want that. Uh-huh. Anyways, one day, one day I get home from work and Max is home and he shouldn't have been. He should have been at work. And he was sitting right in front of our balcony door. He pulled a kitchen chair out and he was sitting in the chair in front of the door with his arms crossed, very confrontational. He had quite a vile look on his face.
0: But he's he's staring back into the apartment or staring out?
1: He's staring back in. He's waiting for me to come in. So the minute I come in, I see him.
0: He's ready for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So your alarm bells go off when you see someone look at you like that. I don't know where that look comes from.
0: Right. What's going to happen this time? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit of an evil look on his face. And he he goes into something, something that I've done. He frequently thought I was cheating on him. This was this, you know, made up jealousy was a topic that he. Like to fight about. I I never did cheat on him. I just think he needed a reason to pick a fight with me. So he made uh-huh. them up when he needed to.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's a good go-to place.
1: So it was probably that. I, I honestly can't remember, but he, he starts shouting at me and, and really getting rough. What he does is he pulls me out onto the balcony. The balconies are pretty small. They're Juliet balconies. So you can't do much except stand on them. And he locked me out on the balcony for quite a bit.
0: Now, we're 14 floors up, right?
1: 14 floors up, standing on the balcony for a couple of hours.
0: And he's got you locked out there by yourself.
1: Yep. I'm just trying to look like this is natural in case my neighbor's looking. This is just, this is a weird situation to be in. (laughs) That is horrible. But after this round, he comes out on the balcony He bends me over the rail and he picks me up by my belt on the back and has one hand on my back pushing me over and one hand on my belt lifting me up so that my feet are no longer touching the ground.
0: And you're staring down.
1: Yeah. This is, I got to say, this is no easy feat. I'm a tall woman. I'm not small. And I was taller than him so it would have taken and this is a small space that we're in it would have taken a little bit of just he must have wanted it to happen to have made it happen but this is a moment of of terror for me oh my
0: god of course
1: i'm prepared that i might be going down 14 floors here and That's what's running through my mind. But almost as soon as he's picked me up, he's put me back down. And then he starts to climb over the rail. Oh. And he's telling me that he's going to jump, but everyone's going to think that I pushed him. So the cops are going to arrest me for murder. I, from a moment of my own trauma, trying to come out of the shock of thinking that he was going to push me over, Now I have to instantly switch into trying to pull him back because I don't, I don't want to see this guy jump. I really don't want to be arrested for that. And I spend most of the night in this push and pull trying to get him off the balcony rail. I don't know if he was ever going to jump. I think maybe he just was, I just, that's an abusive situation. That's a, a method to control me and to manipulate the situation.
0: How long was he doing this, would you imagine?
1: It was well into the middle of the night, so it must have been a couple of hours. He finally came back in. He drank himself into a stupor, and then he fell and he hit his head on the tile floor. Ugh. And I ended that night by calling an ambulance because he knocked out on the tile floor.
0: Oh, he's was knocked out.
1: Mm. That was startling to me and horrifying, actually, to go through that. I kicked him out after that, and we would go through a few cycles of this, but that first time I kicked him out, it was for about a week, and almost every single day he was calling me, I'm so sorry, I was drinking, I just, I don't get like that when I'm not drinking, you know I don't Mm -hmm. drink very much. That was all such a huge mistake, I'm really sorry. I'm sleeping on a park bench, I need to come back home.
0: Really pulling on you. Yeah. Do you think he was drinking when you had the whole balcony scene? Do you think he had been drinking around that time or was it afterwards and then he fell?
1: I think he was probably drunk before I even got home that night. Okay. I think. Okay. Okay. Almost certainly would have been drinking while I was out on the balcony, uh-huh. locked out there. So
0: now he's he's reaching out to you, save me, and I'm practically homeless. Help me. Yeah the the person he's been terrorizing. And so you helped him again, right?
1: Yeah, I did. I did. I, you know, at this point, I'm in it. I'm in the cycle. I don't really see the cycle yet, but I'm in the cycle. There's going to be a moment of reconciliation here. It's going to be good for a while. Then the tension's going to build again. This goes in a cycle.
0: That's the end of part one with my conversation with Megan. And I encourage you to look for part two. Okay. I'd like to thank my guests and my listening audience for their support. It is clear our listeners look for and play survivor episodes above all others. They get caught up between the forces of good and evil all the time. Pulling for the moment a victim becomes a survivor. I am open to other victims and survivors who want to join with me on the when dating hurts podcast. We can shine a bright light on the epidemic of dating and domestic violence. We can improve lives and save some innocent people from a lifetime of broken dreams. If you want to tell your victim or survivor's story, please contact me at Bill Mitchell at com. That's Bill Mitchell at WendatingHurts.com.
1: Hey guys, I'm Jamie Beebe.
0: And I'm Jake Deptula.
1: We're the hosts of the true crime podcast, Strictly Stalking, brought to you from Podcast One.
0: Each week, Strictly Stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words. Do
1: you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion? Have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger? Would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know?
0: We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking
1: and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked.
0: So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite true crime podcast.